0: everybody um, welcome to another episode of Passes of Knowledge and um, we hope that you have been healthy well and safe wherever you are in the world in the country. Um, Tane welcome back and it's nice to see you again.
1: Yeah, it's good to see you too.
0: Yeah so um, as always let's start off with what piece of knowledge you've put into your basket this week.
1: Yeah um, the piece of knowledge I learned this week is talking about opportunities and we've been talking about opportunities a lot recently and I think I learned a new perspective this week that sometimes you can't take up every opportunity, and you know, it can be disappointing for yourself, but sometimes you have to give up that op- opportunity to let others grow. And I think yeah. sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and oh, I'm going to miss out on that opportunity. But if you actually give up that opportunity, not because you can't do a good job at it, but maybe just because you're doing too many other things, you're giving somebody else that opportunity to grow themselves and actually do a good job, and you can see them grow. So sometimes if you're not, wanting to give that opportunity up because you're thinking about you sometimes just think about those other people who are going to get that opportunity themselves.
0: And that's so true because some, sometimes you have to say no to, to get to say yes later on, you know, and, um, you know, we live in a world where, where, where people say it's got to be about you, about you, about you, but when you give up some stuff and help others, you actually grow a lot more. So that's a pretty, pretty awesome learning. And I'm sure a lot of that will come through as you, as you go through this year. Um my knowledge this week, I guess, and I'm pretty big about this perspective. I think I mentioned a few times and I want to put, put my perspective learning in context today. So at the moment, the media is going crazy about, you know, lots of different things. We're talking about um, the price of fuel. It's everybody's talking about and how crazy it is. And, you know, we talk about the vaccines and the mandates and COVID and, you know, those are all real things, but when we stop in perspective, you know, put in perspective, most of us in New Zealand, this is a very general comment here, um, a large percentage of us in New Zealand, when we go home every night, you know, we, we, we go home somewhere and it's, maybe it's warm, but we have a family or a final. And, and I said that because we then think about Ukraine, you know, things happening in Ukraine where, where people are through no fault of their own. Have just got to leave what they know and disappear, you know, because of no fault of their own. So, yes, it's very easy for us to complain and be caught into our world. And it is okay to be caught in our world, but perspective is always good because it's so easy to complain. But gratitude is something that I think, you know, we need to start appreciating a bit more. Um, but yeah, and that just came to my mind, you know, because all that this week we've been talking about is petrol is $2.70, petrol is $3.80, petrol. Okay. And, but hey, at least I can, I've got a car, at least I can go to work, I've got a public transport, you know, those sort of things
1: anyway um that's
0: my bit of knowledge today i guess (laughs) or my rant i guess and again i know this is a that's a very general comment but i think a large proportion of us can the fact that you listen to this podcast means you've got electricity or wi-fi so uh yeah um awesome and it's time to bring in our guests Um, and as always so listeners we try and bring on people that tony and i think are pretty awesome human beings because of what they've done and once again this week um we are no no different um, we'd like to welcome Andrew onto our podcast. Andrew, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, Andrew, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, Andrew, do you want to tell our listeners and us a bit about yourself? So let's talk about what, what you're doing right now and yeah, your, your current role before we go backwards.
2: Current role. So I'm um, working at the Otago Museum. Um, I started at the Otago Museum a year ago um, as a science communicator. Um, in the science center at the museum and in the butterfly house and the planetarium um, and now I'm um, have graduated um, to a, a science engagement um, coordinator, where basically I'm developing a, a project for um, science communication traveling around the country and sharing um, exciting things about space um, to get kids excited about science.
0: That's pretty cool. And for our listeners to put this in context, Dunedin is is known as a very cold place. To have a butterfly house, which is pretty hot, is is like an oxymoron. You go from super cold to super tropical, which is pretty crazy. Um, which is which is one of its awesome quirks. So Andrew, that's that's very really awesome. And having known Andrew for a while, I know this is a pretty awesome. Um, part of your career at the moment and it's a good stepping stone but let's talk about where it all started from andrew because if i said to you when you first came to university that this is what you'd be doing what would you have said to me
2: i would have been very surprised i don't (laughs) i don't think i would have i would have really known what to say um i i I mean to be honest starting university i had no idea where i was going to end up so um it could have been absolutely anything but yeah, it's a yeah. it's a pretty niche thing to be <laughs> working with butterflies and flying through space in the planetarium.
0: Exactly, and and I, and I like how you mentioned that when you came to university, you, you could have been anywhere, right? You had you could be anywhere, but but when you came to university, what did you have in mind? So when you left when you left year 13 and you were sorry where you where are you from where's home for you as well
2: uh hamilton so I, I did grew up um in hamilton did primary and secondary school there and then at the end of year 13 i was like okay i need to make some decisions now where where am i going to go um and otago wasn't actually my first option or even my um second option probably it was just a a backup option that happened
1: yeah
0: yeah, and so you, you had these options here, and you arrived at Otago. And what were you hoping to study when you first arrived? Or what did you study, actually, I guess, not hoping?
2: Um, so at my undergrad, I did psychology. Um, but I started off my first couple of weeks of university taking all kinds of different papers. So I was like, linguistics, I'll try that out, try out maths, statistics, anthropology, Maori. I was just trying to work out anything um, that, that kind of caught my, caught my eye. Um, and psychology in particular was the one that was like, oh, oh, I find that quite interesting. I like learning about w- why we think and behave the way we do. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. And I, I love I love that you said that because,
0: you know, a lot of people when they come to university, or go to whatever university, where it's hotel, around the world, they think they have to know what they want to do. But you had a very different approach. You're like, oh, I'm just going to try things out. How did that sit with your peers and your family where you're like, I'm just going to go try things out? I
2: mean... Family-wise, I think my parents were pretty, pretty happy with me just doing whatever. I think yeah. uh, at, at, at high school, I feel like I was a little bit of um, uh, I kind got of a little bit reclusive at, at points. I think I probably grunted a little bit more than uh, my parents wanted <laughs> wanted me to do. Um, and so to to see me kind of just exploring and discovering what I wanted to do, I think they were they were stoked for that. Um, Peer-wise, I. Didn't have a whole lot of peers at high school that um, that I, I, I have kept in touch with. Yeah. Um, and there were probably like two people from my entire high school that came down to Otago. Um, and so that was a, I mean, it was a, a freeing aspect for me, at least, um, having the ability to completely be who, like I, not that I recreated who I was, but I could be who I was and not, uh, there was no kind of residual Oh, that's not who Andrew used to be. Andrew's this quiet, shy, recluse. <laughs> Um Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's so powerful because you know this is across the board. When young people, and myself included, when we go to university, we, we basically release the when sh- you shackles of, of those preconceived ideas that are that are created in high schools. And you know, when I speak to young people, and I'm sure when you speak to young people as well, you go, "Hey, university is a great way not to not to recreate yourself, but to actually just be yourself." You know, because when you're in a high school system, you are you are fitting into a system, you're fitting into these boxes here. When you come to university, wherever the university is in the world, you're allowed to just be, hey, this is actually who I am. This is actually who I am. If I want to grunt, I can grunt and that's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you and the other um, thing that really fascinates me is, um, tell me your interest in te reo Maori. Was that something that, that you just wanted to pick up?
2: So um, when I first started university, I was... Um... I mean, I was I was interested, but it wasn't a it wasn't a kind of passion of mine. Yeah. Um, at, at high school, the my high school wasn't particularly great at um, at, at focusing on the real Māori, uh, or at least they did. But no one was really keen on it. Um, it was only later on at university, after having that kind of grounding in first year, that I um, um I met my partner, who is who's Māori, um, and we together started off on a journey and really got um got into it um and i, I did four years um with te wananga or aotearoa um doing the rea maori um, courses there and it's it's been fantastic being able to kind of i mean my my i changing my worldview, really. Um, being in those spaces, um, one of the awesome things about Te Wānanga Aotearoa is getting to go along to marae, um, having one day wānanga and just immersing yourself um, in in a completely different perspective, not a different world, but a different perspective on, on life, um, which I've, I've found fascinating.
0: Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's really, really powerful because, you know, perspective is is really key. And like I said, at the start, we all we all live in our worlds. And unless we can see someone else's perspective, we don't really understand, or we, we don't fully understand how other people think or interact or why they do that. You know, we're very quick to judge things based on our own perspective. So it's pretty awesome that, that you did that, um, especially given um, that Maori was not part of your heritage. You know, and and that's and that's pretty unique because a lot of a lot of times you find that you find it's it's young Maori that want to identify with the heritage, but you were like, hey, I want to get involved and see what it's all about because it is part of New Zealand, which is awesome. Then psychology. So you you found your jam in psychology, and what is psychology like at university? What is it like for you?
2: Ooh, what is it like for me? Um, it. I mean, it's. It's just super interesting to me uh, i mean the so there's there's kind of two branches of psychology i mean there's way more than that but uh, <laughs> in general uh, you can kind of go down the more neuroscience approach where you kind of understand the inner workings of the brain and then all the different um, synapses and, and bits that are connecting to each other i steer away from that entirely because that i have a brain and i don't need to know how it exactly works because that i just get so overwhelmed by that kind of stuff i like the other side which is more about the behavioral side the the thought and cognition side um and um specifically when i went on to do uh, my postgrad um, research i was looking into um, our, our memory and what we're able to remember and what kind of factors might influence us our remembering and that that I I like that because everyone has memory well almost everybody has has um has memory and it's it's very easy to understand what's going on and you're like oh that back to the taking photos or drinking alcohol or um being stressed because someone's got a gun in your face like those are things that. I mean, hopefully you have an experience to go on your face, but everyone's experienced some form of factor that's changed their memory in some way. And I just find that fascinating.
0: And, then that, that, and we'll come to that later on um, because that's a really fascinating area that you that you have studied and worked in. Um, again, um, I have to apologize to our listeners out there, to Andrew as well. When I introduce Andrew, I forgot to mention that he is Dr. Andrew. Oh. Andrew, Andrew has, has a PhD. So um, yeah, so we are, we, are, we are talking to someone who knows what he's talking about as well um yes
2: it's dr andrew mills by the way <laughs> i know
0: it's pretty embarrassing but hey we're just going to say it andrew, we can, i, we can say I it, feel gosh.
2: i feel like saying that I, I know what i'm doing i feel like that's a bit of a, a, a <laughs> mis, misinformation i feel like if anything what i've learned from doing a phd is that i know now yeah. what i don't know i know there's <laughs> so much more i have a niche in area that i might know a little bit about but there's so much beyond and it.
0: and that, I, that that makes me laugh because you know everyone goes oh you're a phd so you know what you're doing you're like actually i know i know nothing <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I think I know what to try, but I can't do anything. That's all good. Um, but I can reference, that's great. Um yeah. <laughs> so before we talk, talk about your postgrad, let's talk about your your undergrad journey. You know, um you you had opportunities. tiny Tanya spoke about opportunities along the way. So what kind of opportunities did you did you seize apart from the Tereo Maori course that you got involved in? Um again, being away from home for again for our listeners who don't know New Zealand, um, how in the North Island and in South Island? It's a fair distance away, so um, yeah, what were the what were the, some of the challenges that you faced? If we talk about opportunities,
2: I think the one of the things that I thought that I might have experienced, but I didn't, was just literally coming coming away from from Hamilton, going down to the I thought that I'd experience some kind of like homesickness and that kind of those kind of challenges. But I was surprised that I didn't, um, and I think it was well. If we, when we go back in time if we talk about my um my um, time at high school I had some experiences away from home which were really really helpful um to to kind of get over those challenges um but hmm, I think learning how to study and learning how to be kind of self-sufficient not, not having anyone looking over my shoulder and being like hey why aren't you doing your homework kind of stuff um that was one of the things that I initially was 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 struggling with and it was only when I found a kind of a I found a tribe of people I found a group of people that were really quite focused and I was like oh okay I have someone to kind of model my behavior after there was I didn't have the I didn't have the scheme or I didn't have the 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 way of approaching the situation until I saw how other people were doing it I was like oh, okay I can do that. I can I can head off to the library and study for the evening that, that's not that it's not that hard to do um yeah just t- kind of taking those um I think I, I do a lot of watching how other people interact with situations and and then kind of modeling my behavior after them um, although that doesn't always work out the best way, because <laughs> you hey, have to choose you, the right models.
0: You, you live and learn, right? You live and learn. <laughs> it sounds—it sounds like you're already um, practicing your own psychology before you even started studying it, right? Yes. The whole, be- the whole behavior thing. You know, Andrew, what you said to me really, really hits home at the moment because you spoke about you know not knowing how to study, and you know I think this is a really an important lesson or a message because. Um, Lots of young people that I speak to say oh, when they come to university, they just use the old high school method of, of study and they just struggle, but, and they find their way, as you said, they just model other people's behavior. But this year is a bit different because of the online learning. This is one of, this is what I'm seeing that young people are finding it really hard to struggle because they cannot model themselves and model other people. So they just stick into mm-hmm. what they, what they know. So hopefully fingers crossed. And as you know, working the field that you do that we get back to modeling behavior and um, I mean, if you have any tips for people that are listening with, with online, mm-hmm. because it is it is really hard. In you know, the first three weeks they come they, they come from a not they young people come from the school system into this university system, which is just like WTF. And now mm-hmm. they go, they're not they can't follow anyone. What, what would you say to them? Because
2: some of you learn mm-hmm. it's like yes, you know, it's, it's a hard one. I know it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I'd say, I mean, my experience over the last couple of years in, in lockdowns and and isolating and stuff, um, having the uh, when I was finishing my PhD I needed to focus on writing that was the kind of key thing I needed to do and I had really bad habits of writing that's why it took me so long to finish my PhD um, but what I did was I had a friend that was also trying to write just writing a book and we were like okay let's just dedicate a two-hour Zoom session and we're just going to not talk <laughs> we're just going to be in, in the um, same space virtually um and spend that time writing like cameras off um um microphone off as well if, if needed and just spend that time um and then every now and then checking in with each other and be like oh hey like how's it going where, where are you up to uh, that was really helpful for me um but I guess that doesn't yeah I, it, that's a difficult one I, I could I, I I feel for the the educators that are the working through their um classrooms and kind of make sure kids are getting engaged and, and working out what's, what's actually done.
0: Maybe Tynan, we can bring you in because you are living with them right now. What are, you, what are you seeing? And, you know, because you've gone through some lockdowns and you've gone through your life teaching, what, do you, what, do you, what would you say?
1: Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is just removing distractions, especially your phone. I find a lot of people, because the lecture feels a lot longer online, it's so easy to just reach out, look at your phone, do things on there and not actually engage with the lecture. Um, I think the lectures that are being live in terms of Zoom are working a lot better for me because I feel like I'm actively engaged in the class, whereas when you've got a pre-recording, you can just pause it, take a break, which, yes, is beneficial in some senses, but in terms of the long run, it's not beneficial because what I'm seeing is a lot of people will constantly pause so they can write down information and so they're taking probably twice as long to finish a lecture I said, that's one of the key learnings you take away in a live lecture is you learn to filter out the information that is already on the slides or you already have knowledge of, and you actually just write down what you are learning above and beyond that. Mm -hmm. So I think the key thing for these students is, um, yeah, learning how to minimize distractions, but also working together. You know, they don't realize that they can watch their lectures together. And I think that's the most beneficial thing about being live and being in a real lecture, you know, being with other people seeing how they're learning seeing how they're studying and just learning that they have to find a study, a study schedule that fits them because at the moment everyone's following everyone because they think oh they know how they're doing their study. they're doing well i'm going to focus on that but you know some of us are visual learners some of us like to just write notes down some of us like audio so it's just finding your niche in this first couple of weeks before the semester rolls on
0: yeah, I think I think it's a, re- a real tough one, you know. Um, and you know, I'm sure ha- as the years go by, there's going to be some amazing research that pops out of this, and how young people in schools and in universities have have changed a little bit, and not in a bad way. You no, know? there's nothing bad here. You just change the way things things go. So, Andrew, we we'll come back to you. We spoke about some challenges which you mentioned. But let's focus on the opportunities because um, going to university presents opportunities galore, and I know that you've taken some amazing opportunities and pretty cool things, which is how I, I got connected with you. What are some things that opportunities that you just grabbed and you're like,
2: oh, this is so random? Yeah, um, I mean, so first year I was in um, was at St Margaret's College, the the hall in in Otago, um, and at St Margaret's there were so many opportunities to just take up take up um so end of first year I was like ah they're asking for a student president I'll apply for that I'll come back to St Margaret's for a second year and I so I just took up the the president um I applied I applied for it did a bit of a speech and, and somehow they thought that I was a worthwhile um candidate um, and so that was that was an opportunity that I was like I would never have thought I'd be doing um, at high school. I, I never really sought for those kind of leadership positions. Yeah. Um, and then beyond, so that was kind of like in my more um, social kind of life, but it, academically um, I was taking up opportunities whenever there was a um, kind of seminars coming up or um, interesting um, um, courses that I, I were free to take um or uh, the i i did a i was working over summer one year and i was like oh, i could do a kickboxing class <laughs> at, 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 at our usa so the, the um, um clubs and clubs and societies so i was like yeah i'll, I'll join a, a kickboxing class and did that um then uh, further on as i got more into um um like post-grad stuff i was just kind of taking on opportunities like talking about my research people will be like oh hey do you want to do a radio interview I'm like sure I can do a radio interview or um, do you want to compete in a three-minute thesis competition we have to kind of compact everything that you did for three years into three minutes um, and I was like yeah sure I'll, I'll, I'll try that and it's just kind of has been the the case where it's I, I yeah basically I mean I as as Tanya said like there's there's opportunities to to, to say no and, and other people can take those opportunities up um and I've definitely done that because I had to be careful not to say yes too often um and that was my downfall in, in second year at least so I was saying yes to too many things um barely got any time to do um what I needed to do um but yeah when when I have the when I have the time and an opportunity arises I I love to just take hold of it and see where it takes me
0: Oh, brilliant and you know like you said you, you use you got involved with tons and tons of things which one of those opportunities do you think was the greatest
2: for you in terms of your, your own learning own learning i think the opportunity whew. so in uh 2018 so a couple of years ago um i my supervisor was like oh hey have you um, supervised supervisor my phd that is and um, she was like oh hey have you thought about like maybe doing some time away overseas and and studying um in in another lab over overseas to see kind of how they do their things and i was like ah oh, I, I, I didn't know that was the thing i could do so i uh, looked into it and um, realized that yeah you can get funding for that kind of thing for the university and i was like oh okay well, i'll apply for it and i ended up working um for six months over in the uk at a um at a lab with, um, well actually two different labs, with some of the kind of best people in the field of um, memory, uh, false memory in particular, um, when we we think we remember something but we don't actually remember it um, accurately. Um, and so I was working with these people for uh, that time over in the UK and got to do all kinds of traveling and um, um, fun times on the side, but also just the experience of, um, of being able to work with these kind of leaders in their field is awesome
0: and we're gonna we're gonna so you you mentioned opportunities and we go back to what i mentioned to start perspective how did your perspective change when you went in that in a different lab oh, did it's was that a change
2: it it definitely was um every every kind of supervisor runs their lab differently um and so you have um the ones over in um the UK were quite, they had like one central research focus that everyone was working on. So there's a lot of collaboration. Um, for, for me, my research, I was working on, uh, like basically there was no one else doing my research in my lab or anywhere else in uh, at the university. So I was quite isolated, not not in a bad way, um, but I didn't have the opportunities to kind of sit down and be like, oh, hey, you're doing this thing as well. Let's Let's talk about what's going on here yeah Um, that was one of the kind of challenges that i experienced as a phd student and yeah having that perspective and seeing like ah okay there are different ways of doing it and i kept in touch with a number of people to keep up those contacts and
0: and and that's so 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 true you know um when i was doing my postgrad as well just opportunities to have have a different perspective from a different world it just blows your mind because I find that when you're in academia, you think you always the only way, or you just go, "This is it," and you can become pretty pretty staunch about it. <laughs> well, at the start, specifically, and then when you go, actually, this is quite a silly idea, or you have a disruptive way of thinking. You go, "Wait a minute, I've actually got to just be- have a beginner's mindset," and go, "Right, cool," because I think sometimes when we, when we get into the postgrad pathway, we go, "Oh, I know what I'm up to," because I'm I'm, I'm all that I'm doing postgrad. But like at the start, like you said when we mentioned PhD, you actually know nothing. You just at the start up your journey, uh, which is very cool. So you 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 did that there, and then you um, you also got involved in hands-on Ontario or hands on science, I guess when you did. and yeah, and you've just kept coming back. How, how many years have you been doing that for?
2: So when I that, yeah, yeah, that was yeah I, ha- I hadn't really thought about hands-on as being the kind of I guess that's probably one of the opportunities that I've taken up where so I started in 2015, was my first year as a as a red shirt so a student yeah. leader. And how, um, what, what, what year of university were you then? I was, there was my first year of my PhD. Okay. So uh, I'd finished my um, honours degree yeah. um, and I'd, I was starting into my PhD. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, I, I, I hadn't heard about it before. I just saw a poster uh, on a wall saying like, Hey, we want, we want, um, um, uh, do you want to be a redshirt? I was like, well, I don't know what that is. Some kind of Star Trek thing. Um, and um, then had just the best time getting to meet other people that were as excited, enthusiastic about life and science and um, exploring and, and teaching. Um, that was just such a cool experience. So I've basically. Every every year since then, bar this year, I've um, <laughs> had the opportunity to be in person um, yeah. and um, and and just get so excited about um, about learning with um, um, students from all over the country, which I just—it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, and for for our listeners out there, um, basically what we're speaking about is a program that that our uni- that the university runs where they invite. At, at, the, at the present time, 400 young people from around the country to come along and spend a week um, just experiencing what tertiary life is like. And these young people are between the ages of 15 and 16, and some might be 17. So basically, people like Andrew facilitate this and they run this and they make sure these young people have a um, a great experience. Um, yeah. And, you know, like you said, it is a great time, but it doesn't come without its challenges as well. Um but obviously both and Tane was also a frontane is a product of that as well. So and we've as spoken about this many, many times. So um mm-hmm. I think I think it's a life-changing opportunity to get involved with it. And I think also what it does is um what it has done for me is when you feel jaded about the, the stuff that you do, and like you said, Andrew, you see these young people that are so aspirational inspirational, and you go, actually, wait a minute. This is this is really cool. Let's just let's get involved in it. It's just one week, but it's an amazing, amazing week.
1: <laughs>
0: do you want to tell us about your research because i think it's pretty fascinating um yeah maybe if you want to talk about that you know so what, what is your research focusing on when you when you do your phd yes
2: so i started off um basically in 2014 there was a um, a paper that came out um which was talking about how taking photos ruins your memory um was basically the Oh, wow. the tagline of, yep. the, of the headline and i like to take photos i've yep. i've i've always been quite um quite a keen photographer um got a camera for my 21st birthday and i didn't stop taking photos basically until i started my phd And i i, I read this paper saying yeah it ruins your it ruins your memory i was like ah does it does it actually do that um and so that's basically the start of the the research project was okay the the key thing about research is that um if someone does an experiment you can't just take that as as law now that's that's, you have to kind of replicate it you have to work out does this effect occur multiple times um and so that's what we did and right off the bat it failed um i i uh, took people um I actually did a, a very close replication of the original paper where they took people to a museum. So I took people to the Otago Museum who knew that I'd be working there in um, <laughs> and, and four or five years' time um, and got them to take photos of some of the exhibits that they were interacting with, and some of them they didn't take any photos of. And then the next day we brought them back into the lab and said, like, Hey, what do you remember? And they remembered just as well. It didn't matter whether they'd taken photos of it or not, they were just at, on par. Um, yep. And so I was like, okay, that sucks because, well, I mean, on the one hand, I was like, I was really hoping to just replicate the original study and then go off and explore the mechanism and intricacies of that. But I finished off the first study and I was like, okay, now I have to work out what to do next because we'll put that one to rest. It doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, And so we thought about, okay, what happens? So taking photos at a museum, isn't that big of a deal like educationally you might not remember what you're trying to take in there but yeah it's it's not a life or death situation and so we thought why don't we explore life or death situations um and so we looked at people's memory for witnessing a crime um where a crime takes place and you're like oh people should really focus on what's happening there so um that should increase their memory and benefit their memory and taking photos maybe in that situation will impair their memory in some way and so we did a study where we had um, people taking photos of some events of a a crime taking place a guy going into a party spiking a girl's drink and stealing a wallet Um, and then other people took uh, photos of other things and then some people didn't take photos of anything Um, and we wanted to compare those things. And once again, we found that taking photos did not affect people's memory. Uh, they remember <laughs> just as well, they were just as accurate. Well, I mean everyone's accuracy in remembering is pretty low in general, yep. um, so people just aren't great at remembering and taking a photo didn't help at all. Um, the um, one interesting thing that I took from that study though is that although you don't remember any better or worse, and you're not any more accurate, you do think you're more confident you are more confident in your memory if you've taken photos so there might be some kind of mechanism there where you think oh I've I had my camera out at the time I I caught that on camera and that kind of gives you this kind of mental boost you're like oh yeah no I do have a good memory which um, in some contexts would be not great so in 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 a legal context when a judge or a police officer asks you, like, how confident are you that you witnessed this crime and you, all the details you gave us were accurate. The confident person that was like, oh, I was taking photos, they're not any better than the person that wasn't taking photos, but because of that extra confidence, people will put more weight on what they're saying. Like, oh, yeah, he, they have a good memory. They, they, they remember really, really well, um, even though they're no better than anyone else. So that was another kind of, <laughs> cross on, on the list and then the, the final study which is the one I went over um, to the UK to do that was where I was like okay let's stop taking the photos let's look at looking at photos and what happens when we look at photos can photos change our memories um, and so in that study we were looking at um, the effect of photoshop on people's memory so if you photoshop a, a photo can you make someone believe that those photoshop details actually oh, occurred and there's some really interesting research um about making people believe that they had a hot air balloon ride as a child and so you photoshop them into a hot air balloon you show them the photo and say hey look this is you as a child do you remember this and they're like no i have no memory of that that never happened and then you're like okay we'll come back in a week's time hey here's a there's a photo of you in a hot air balloon oh, ah yeah, i have a vague memory of that maybe and then uh, over a couple of sessions eventually like yeah no i remember it and i was with this person and i remember eating a hot dog before going into it and i smelled popcorn in the air and it was really scary up up in the up in the balloon like wow. you, you never experienced this this is this is all your own generation of imagination um, yeah. that's become um a, a memory and so um that's the awesome research that we were doing and i wanted to know how bad does that photoshop have to get before we stop before we stop um believing it and yep. it it doesn't matter it even oh, the wow. worst possible photoshop of a um of a news headline um can make you slightly increase your memory it's not there are not massive effects but um we were already doing it over the course of a month yeah but um we were leading people to believe that um oh can to think of the news headlines now uh, but you yeah, know just just news headlines that we were trying to um, like the Statue of Liberty being um, covered in red paint by protesters and we were um, doing this with American um, participants that lived in New York as well yeah. and so they're like, yeah no I remember seeing that on the news and <laughs> so like I, I showed you this awfully photoshopped photo and you're still believing it that's that shows that our memory is really bad. Yeah. Um, but it's so scary, right? How you can manipulate the mind. You know, that's that's manipulation galore.
0: Yeah. Wow. What fascinating research. it? It um it reminds me of something I read in, in I don't know if you've read Will Smith's book. And in Will Smith's book, he talks about how he was so afraid of swimming, like so, so, so afraid of swimming because And when he was a child, he thought he was going to drown and he had all these crazy images of him drowning and, and his mom saved him. And, and when he was in the pool and he had this vivid memory and all through his adult life, he was like, no, I can't swim. I can't swim because I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then one day's his mom goes, Hey, that didn't happen. You've, you've never been in a pool in your life. What are you talking about? And it's like, what the actual, how did that happen? You know? And it's so crazy how the brain just does that. So I'm sure your research is, um, you know, is, is a great way to lots of, lots of other exciting um, research later on, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, So you finish your research, which is pretty cool. And then you're like, Oh, I need to find a job. Which is always the case right because you know it's really quite funny um you know this is you know like they always say when you cross one mountain there's another mountain that you've got to cross so you finish your undergrad you're cool doing honors you go cool doing your phd you go cool and are like oh i still got to find a job now <laughs> this is cool yeah. um and what is that like for you because you've done all these cool things here and now, it's, now you've got to actually apply for a real job quote unquote yeah
2: that was the it, it was difficult i i remember at the start of my phd uh, thinking yeah after my PhD I'll go into academia I'll become a lecturer researcher um, and I mean that's not it's not off the cards I'd have to publish first to get this <laughs> to be able to do that but um, the what I at the end of my PhD I was like okay what have I actually enjoyed doing the most over my time at university and before and the most important the thing i liked most was communicating it was communicating science communicating um, ideas and teaching and so um i thought, okay well science communication literally has science and communication in the in the in the name I'll, (laughs) I'll, i'll apply for a job there um and so i i was like yeah what kind of science communication jobs are there and then I was looking online and one came up on Seek saying, ah, science communicator position at Otago Museum. It's like, cool. No, I, that sounds exactly up my alley. It's right across the road. Otago Museum is literally like across the road from the um, university. So I wasn't moving too far. Uh, I applied for that and um, they were like, yeah, we, we like what you do. And that I was able to kind of talk about all the experiences that I'd all those opportunities are taken up and yeah, yeah doing a three minute thesis that's like the ultimate science communication because you have to synthesize all of the, the 300 depth, page yeah. thesis, yeah. thesis into, a, into a very small amount of time um, and so I started started the museum and um, very quickly realized that there was a whole bunch of science that I just didn't know about I mean we talked about how I avoid neuroscience <laughs> in the workings of the brain, and that's a, probably a case of me avoiding biology at high school um, yeah. because that was it was too much for me. I was also doing chemistry and physics, but um, so there's entire areas of knowledge that I just have no idea about, and um, that was a kind of a challenge starting at the museum. I'm like, okay, now I have to work out what is what is a microbe what is <laughs> what 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 does is, what, is what, what does the plants what does the plant do um photosynthesis all that all that stuff that i just hadn't yep. really um experienced before um,
0: yeah oh wow and and you know like you said earlier on what how how paradoxical you know you were going to the museum to do your research and now you're working in the museum <laughs> You were yeah. avoiding this neuroscience, and now you have to learn the neuroscience. You know, it's it's crazy how life does that, right? So, you know, um, to, you know our listeners, I'm sure everyone's got experience stuff but you try to avoid stuff, and at some stage in life, it's going to come back and go, "Hey, you got to learn this, or you got to you got to cross this bridge." Um, but also, you know, opportunities will arise along the way there. Um, so, you've done that, which is pretty cool, and. Um, you've done a really awesome video, which captured your year, which I think is a fascinating video with, <laughs> and um if you don't mind, we we'll probably will share it in the links when we, yeah, do, do, our, when we do our um, podcast, because I think it's a great, it's a great summary of, of what a year is like, but obviously there's a lot that goes on behind that. Um, and this is, this is interesting because, you know, um if you think back to your time at school, in fact, a lot of young people, there's no such career pathway called science communicator. There's nothing that, that didn't exist. Right. But you found your passions along the way. And now you've, you've, you know, you found a niche for you that's that you're enjoying at this at this point in time, and and you and I both know that this is fluid. Life is fluid. You know, mm-hmm. in a year's time, we might have a chat. You might be doing something else. You know, and um, and that's and I think that's key. You know, that's key to remember that you are fluid. I mean, life is fluid. There's no single career pathway in in the world of opportunities, unless you want to be an accountant. I'm just just kidding. Just, just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, and here's another thing
2: that's really that that's
0: really interesting for me is you. You left Hamilton. You've now been in Tenerife for how many years?
2: Uh, this is my twelfth year in Tenerife. <laughs> your twelfth year.
0: When you left Hamilton, if someone said to you, "You were gonna, be, you were going, and you're probably gonna end up living in Tenerife for a long, long time," what would you and your family have said at that point in time? Given mm. that, given that wasn't, wasn't even one of your first choices, was just the place that you're like, oh, "Okay, cool, let me go, give go to crack"?
2: Yeah, um, I'd say the. Hmm. i i don't like change that's one of the it's another paradoxical thing about myself is that although i'm doing a lot of changing it's quite fluid <laughs> I, I, I move through all this different stuff i don't yeah. like changing things um and the it, it took a bit of kind of push to get me to, to be like okay high school done now my life is changing and I, I guess i kind of packed in as much stuff in in one change as i could yeah. um so so moving as far away from hamilton as, as i could <laughs> within new zealand um and um changing kind of my uh way of approaching um um people and and things um and I guess once I got here I was like okay that's me done (laughs) I don't want to change anymore I don't think I I I really thought about leaving Dunedin and that was one of the things I really struggled with was that a lot of the people in first and second year they're all like oh yeah I'm I'm here at Otago University and I'm going to go back home afterwards I was like why why would you go back home that's that's going backwards in life and I I fully understand that that's not the case and there's there's completely valid reasons to go back home and like being part of your community that you've left behind and um, taking back what you've learned to that community. Um, but for me, it was, it was really a case of, well, I was kind of, I, I was shocked at the end of third year when everyone just left. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'd have to yeah. make new friends now. <laughs> Where, where's everyone gone? I've got to um, change. I've got to change my peer group. Damn it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I just continued. Um, and I I I very much like Dunedin. I like the cold. Um <laughs> it's lovely down here, even though it's quite a hot day today and I'm sweating because it's so yeah. hot, but um Paradox, yeah, right? it, Paradox right? So yeah, yeah, coming 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 down to Dunedin, I don't think I, I planned on moving out of Dunedin. Um and I'll probably stay here for a good time longer until the next massive change in my life, in which case I'll... Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: and who knows that will be. That could be in a year's time, Andrew. We might could be could like, be. actually, I'm, I'll
2: say, yeah, but who knows, who knows, right? Yeah. And
0: Antonia, um, this is change changed as well. You know, change, change. you're experiencing lots of change at the moment in your in your world in terms of, you know, how the COVID situation is happening. How, how, how are you finding that? Because again, I know you like structure and a structure is part of your life as well. So how, how has that been for you?
1: I think it's been, it's definitely been a struggle to change. Um, But you just have to, I guess, linking back to perspective, you know, you have to look at it as it's positive change. And sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes you are going to struggle. Um, But also finding small things that you can control, you know. So I can't control the current climate in terms of what our COVID cases are like or anything like that. But I can structure my learning, I can structure what I do in my days to a certain extent. And so, it's trying to find that balance between having some structure in your life, but also being fluid and adaptable so that if something does come along, you're not suddenly shocked by what's happening and overwhelmed. You're willing to adapt and overcome those challenges.
0: Yeah, I, that's, that's, that's very true. But hey, it is, it is hard. You know, you have to also you have to embrace that it. it is hard and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, um, change, change is crazy. Andrew, here's a question for you. In all your your twelve years in Tanzania, what is the most shocking thing that you that has happened to you? Isn't it doesn't have to be bad or good, just so, uh, something like what the actual shocking? Yeah, oh, it's putting me on the
2: spot. I being tested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> what's your What's your memory like? There we go. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not great, and I can tell you that. Um oh, I don't know. I I I can't think of anything that stands what? out. I guess I'll rephrase that. The most disruptive thing for you, the most disruptive. Disruptive, I'd say, I mean, second year. So second year was the year that I I, I took on, took on the the presidency role at St. Margaret's and um, working, working out that actually being a leader and and running a, a, working with a team of people is, is a shock to the system definitely um and realizing that it's actually not possible for everyone to like you and for all of the decisions that you make for for those to be um um all all rounded liked by everybody um so that was a that was a difficult time where i was like i was learning management techniques and um trying to keep on top of my work um in terms of um university stuff um trying to hold on to friendships and then the kind of the way that relationships change is after first year where everyone's quite like everyone's trying to find their feet in first year and then second year like everyone kind of diverts off on the different pathways that they're probably going to continue on for a while um and there were lots of relationships things going on and and it was all a bit of a a bit of a mess um I, i enjoyed second year but it was it was a shock to the system, um, yeah.
0: And 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 you know when you think back, it's, it's it's like a privilege because you know a lot of people live their lives thinking that everyone, the to of a life where everybody likes them. You know, a lot of people live, it up and something happens for them to change. Oh damn it! And for that to happen to you pretty early on is is is, is a blessing in disguise. That actually, I need to I can make decisions and be okay with it, even if, if everyone else is not happy about it. And I think that's that's a that's a universal learning for everybody. You know, you not everyone's going to like you, and that's okay. it's hard i struggle with it still yeah yeah yeah, it's it's a tough one and also you don't have to like everybody as well you know it goes it goes both ways you know and but it's but it is is a tough one because Mm. we're so wired as humans to be to be want to
2: be liked yes yeah and i think there's a kind of a a case for like i just i try to be (laughs) likable i I try i try not to actively like annoy people Um, and it's working out that there is a there's a boundary to that, but it's, yeah, no matter how how nice and friendly I am to people, there's always going to be issues, and that's okay. <laughs> Everyone has a different way, a different perspective on life.
0: Um, that's, that's right, and that's that's okay. That's 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 all good. Um, Andrew, you've you've given us some amazing amazing stories and anecdotes today, and I'm sure you know this, this is we've just summarized your your last few years in in a <laughs> in about an hour or so, and there's there's a lot more stories. Um, but as you know, our, our podcast is called Bosses of Knowledge. And what we like to do with our guests is before we end is, is there any bit of knowledge that you have, that you have learned through your three experiences that you'd like to share to our listeners? And this could be anything. It doesn't have to be educational. It can just be anything that you think is something that you
2: would love to share. In the last week, I got a barbecue. And I learned that you should always season your barbecue. And <laughs> that's a really important life lesson. <laughs> season your barbecue that makes things not stick. And I was like, I wonder if that's some some kind of metaphor. Is there, is there taking opportunities to make things not stick in the future? I feel like that's the that's something that I um I there's so many different things that I've I've been like, ah, oh, there's a bit of software that I've always I've always wanted to learn how to model 3D models software. Um um pretty model stuff uh, okay so a couple of weeks ago i just picked up a program and was like okay i'm just going to teach myself this it's not going to be relevant at all in what i'm doing right now but later on it, it might be it might be useful and it's that's kind of been the case for lots of different things like the, the three minute thesis competition like that's just been an experience of science communication that i use later on so that seasoning things early um before before you need them um, I, it's a it's a loose metaphor I, I don't know if it's <laughs> the greatest yeah. advice but season your barbecue that's like my it. advice <laughs> I like it, season your bar- barbecue because you never know when it's going to be a sunny day, right?
0: You know? yeah. yeah So because yeah, that, that could be used in so many different contexts I like that, season your barbecue everyone because you never know when you're going to use it um and i think that's a fantastic way to end our podcast it is it is it is sunday here in new zealand we're doing this podcast um thank you so much um andrew for jumping on today hopefully you found this really interesting um tanya any last words from you
1: no just thank you for coming on andrew it's been a pleasure to listen to your journey and where you've got to and also talking about a science communicator because i think a lot of us when we think of science we think of being in the lab and doing the science work, but actually being able to communicate it to the wider population. That's where we get the buy-in and that's where we get the true value of science.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And and, and I just want to run around for listeners by going, let's, let's just um, think about this. So Andrew came to university. He was like, Oh, I don't know how to study because that was one of the things. And he finished up doing a PhD. So for anyone that's just struggling out there going, Oh, I don't know how to study. It's not the end of the world. It is not the end of the world. It doesn't define who you are. Um, Seek help. um, Ask questions. And you know, um, you have no idea what's going to come with these opportunities. And yeah, on that note, thank you everyone for listening to our podcast today. As always, feel free to share it with your friends, your colleagues, your peers. Um, Feel free to comment. Um, Without your listening, we wouldn't be doing what we do. So thank you very much and take care and have a fantastic week. Bye, everybody.